Welcome to episode 14 of the Breakdown Walls podcast, proud partner of the Gamer Fuel Studios Network. We are here. It is episode 14. The second MMO of the Breakdown, Breakdown Walls podcast. Oh, wait, that's Final Fantasy. This is the second MMO. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, Oh yeah, right, right. Okay. I see. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I kind of didn't follow that at first, and I'm like, oh wait, let me think about this. Okay, I got it. Okay, all right. So, we're the online only. Yep. Uh, multiplayer game. We're gonna, we're gonna fail the first time, then we're gonna re-release with a completely rebuilt. And world. then, and then, eleven is gonna be super popular again. It's gonna get like way more views than. <laughs> 14 <laughs> actually that's oh, probably not no. that no that's probably not true considering the guests it's not true have. anymore i don't think well no well no not not, not the podcast case it's, it's definitely not true um no 14 guest. yeah anyway 14 doing 14 doing well now <laughs> yeah what i hear yeah but uh so no, today's, yeah. today's guest oh man we have a blow everything else out of the water kind of guest today and i'm, I'm still kind of shocked that we that it was it, it was almost easy and that is a weird feeling to me. Well, like I expected to have to work it, for it. it. It helps that you guys have had a working relationship yeah, for a long does. time now. So it, it it does. It's just it's just like even even so like I don't know. It, it just feels kind of surreal to me that we're at this point where we can get guests like this on the podcast. So it's it's it's, it's cool. Anyway, besides that, we have some gaming news and we have some accessibility news and. In the gaming news segment, there's some breaking news that literally just da, happened. Da, da, da. It's breaking the first news. ever for this podcast. It literally just happened. I was about to come up and record, start recording this podcast, and then I saw this article, and I was like, oh, well, this is part of our news. Oh, yep. yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be good. All right. Uh, we don't have a voice uh, message this week, so that's not a thing. So basically, it's going to be uh, the news segment, the accessibility segment, and then the interview and then that's 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 it um still it's gonna be a great show i promise especially because so let's ju- let's jump right into it why why waste any time let's go right to <gasps> gaming news all right it's time to get into some gaming news topics i want to get right into it good lord this is gonna be fun so I want to start off with the breaking news. Ooh. I think that's I think that's that's a good way to, to start this thing. The breaking news. The, the 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 article that I saw was from PlayStation blog. It was posted by uh, it, well I saw I saw a tweet from Greg Miller uh, of kind of funny games. Um and I think he said it in a way that uh is very fitting. I I don't think it could be said better than he said it in his tweet. He effectively said, uh, this is not word for word, but it's mostly word for word. With GameStop's blood in the water, PlayStation starts selling consoles and games directly from them. From GameStop? From PlayStation. What? So, basically, here's what we're getting at. GameStop is kind of going down the tubes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're trying to rebrand. They're trying to become a different thing. Uh, they talked about recently uh, doing esports viewing events uh, to try to revitalize the, the store. Um, 
there's a lot of evidence why that won't work. Um, <laughs> but they've also just talked about going, you know, kind of becoming a, a, pl- a place more for retro gamers than for modern gamers. Um, did have you heard about their the way their store redesigns are? Like, I know, I know they're more. They're not even. They're, they're, they're fewer games and more collectibles. I know that. And much. they're more. Well, they're also redesigning like like the entire like structure like how their stores are like structured not just like less games but they're more designing it around like it being like kind of a hangout spot and yeah. like playing yeah. games and stuff and it and that, seems that like makes sense with the esports thing they're talking about too um but not only that like I'm, I'm hearing that like they're they're letting the staff get like loosen up a bit they're not hounding uh-huh people as much with you know pre-orders and all that nonsense yeah yeah um so i i don't think it's going to save them no but but uh it'll it'll definitely put a band-aid on it but the but the point is what this what this article does is actively cause them pain (laughs) because i'm gonna put it my own way here with with their blood and water you know we're they're already in danger uh, PlayStation has decided to stab them just one more time. <laughs> so if you go to PlayStation Store website before today, this happened just today, if you, go, if you went there before today, you could find listings for hardware and games, uh, the physical versions of games. But if you clicked on them, they would take you to other retailers. Not anymore. Oh, I see. I see what you're getting. Oh. Yes. As of today, PlayStation Ooh. is now selling PlayStation consoles, PSVR units, uh, and physical copies of games from themselves. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Not only that, um, they're, they're already saying, number one, the prices you're going to see will compare with other retailers. So you're going to see, you know, if there's a, you know, there's, there's going to be sales on these two. It's not going to be ridiculous always sixty dollars you know for a game blah 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 yeah. be ridiculous and on top of that if you're signed into your playstation network account when you make the purchase you can choose one day express shipping oh <laughs> okay so that's cool playstation is effectively saying hey gamestop bro don't worry you don't have to worry about selling our games anymore <laughs> we'll take care of that for you rip and you can you can go, you can still buy other things too, like um, you can buy codes as well for uh, PS Plus subscriptions. Like if you want to gift one to someone, you can now buy codes from there directly. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's good. It's good. I mean, it's good and it's bad. Like if if you were someone who was who was holding on to GameStop, I, I it's mean, bad. I but... mean, GameStop was pretty well on the way to. Yeah, yeah. So, so... <laughs> you are on the way to destruction. Make your time. Yeah, yeah. So PlayStation is basically inflicting the another fatal wound to GameStop. Ancient meme. (laughs) (laughs) So that that is today's first bit of breaking news. That that literally just came out today. That's crazy. The PlayStation blog is was posted today. So there you go. Breaking news. Nice. Breakdown walls. (laughs) Breakdown walls podcast. Breaking walls and news. And the news. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! All right. So as we. In fact, you know what? Now that I think about it, every single one of my three new, uh, gaming news topics is PlayStation related this week. Oh well. Anyway, well, I have I have a news story that is not PlayStation related. So. Okay, good. Okay, well, okay, we'll get to that then too. Um, so my second one is 
back to the next generation of consoles. Um, PlayStation 5 is the, the, the going rumor now, and apparently there's currently a lot of evidence to back this up. The going rumor now is that on launch day, there will be a PlayStation 5 and a PlayStation 5 Pro. Not later, what right a there at launch. S- is Sony Apple now? Well, that is kind of what... Well, the thing is, that's kind of what the rumor is based on. Because the, here's the thing. You, you kind of... The way you said that is kind of like a criticism, but here's the thing. That works for Apple. Yeah. Like it or Like it or not... It, it does. It, was, it, it does work for Apple. It, it gives people multiple options right away so they don't have to worry about upgrading their console later if they want the the beefier hardware they can get it right off the bat if they don't then they can get for one it's it worked it's probably going to work for playstation as well yeah um but first of all we don't we don't actually know this is true it might be true though there's there's a lot of evidence pointing the fact that it's probably going to be probably what's going to happen and it kind of makes sense because a lot of people were speculating on the price of the ps5 um because the specs that we've seen and the specs that Sony themselves have even confirmed That's probably so far, for what the Pro would be. That's probably the Pro, yeah. 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 Because them's beefy specs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> them's beefy, all right? They, they are not... Uh, they are not... You know, this, is, those, this is not, those, this is not like the PS4 load Pro load times too. they're touting. Yeah, yeah. You mean the no load times they're touting? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That's well, insane. Now here's the thing. I think that they're going to have to hold to the no load times thing with both consoles. So even even the okay. even the, even the cheap PS5 is going to have to hold to that. I think that because I wonder, I wonder if that means both models are going to have a solid state drive. I think they I think they will. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, um, I guess I you think, have to if you yeah. want no load times. Yeah, because here's here's the reason I think that is because. They've already talked about how having no load times changes game design significantly because you, oh, yeah. de- you no longer have to design around load times. Mm-hmm. So game developers for the PS5 are going to design around a lack of load times. So you cannot have an experience where there is load times, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Regardless of what console you have. So, you, so both the consoles have to have that. Um, I think where they're going to scale back is probably two areas. The solid straight drive's uh, size is probably one. And the other one is probably the GPU. Yeah, um, that makes sense. One of the things they touted is uh, ray tracing, which is insane. Ray tracing is like uh, basically simulating the way light actually works. Instead of having to build lighting systems in, it just naturally built into the system will simulate the way light works. Ray tracing is ridiculous. That's crazy. Um, and that's one of the things that they've, they've already touted it's going to have. I'm guessing um, the Pro is going to have that and the Lite or whatever you want to call it is not. Because if you, if you want ray tracing on a PC nowadays, even on PC, you have to get a high-end graphics card. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that's a, that's a Pro thing. I mean, we'll find out. We don't know when exactly we'll find out but the rumor of when we'll find out is february of next year and speaking of february of next year we speaking of february of next year good lord the state of play event uh happened yesterday this is the third thing i have state of play event happened yesterday 
a lot of things were announced. Some of them were, were pretty cool. Um, the uh, medieval demo came out. That was kind of neat. Uh, PlayStation Plus uh, games for next month are MLB 19 and The Last of Us Remastered, which is good. It's really good. Nice. I nice. mean, MLB 19 for free? Sure, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, I'll mess with it. What the heck? Sure. I, I never bought it. Don't have to. I know, cool. I know Liam, uh, Liam messed around with coach mode in uh, 20 and got some enjoyment out of it and did, did some customization with uh, players and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, but uh, everyone, everyone who watched the state of play yesterday knew why they were watching the state of play yesterday. Yeah. Last of okay. Us. Okay. Let's last of Us too. Here. Let's just be honest here. Everyone was watching the state of play. Well, especially yeah. since they, they announced that they were going to announce. Yeah, they they, they, they announced yeah. the announcement basically. Yeah, 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 even Sony knew why everyone was watching the state of play. <laughs> even they knew. They're like, "Look, we just want you guys to be aware that it is going to be part of the show." And of course, they saved it to the very end. Yeah. Which is perfect. I mean, actually I kind of like how that state of play went. Um it went from the weakest to strongest point with uh, with things that dotted the middle. So, like, in between the um, the Death Stranding trailer and the Last of Us 2 trailer, we got the, uh, what was that called? The uh, After Party trailer. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like a, you know, a middling game. Maybe not, maybe not going to be super popular, but I, I kind of liked it. It was like, you have this big thing, which is Death Stranding. Then you have this, this middling game that might be fun. And then you have the main event. You know? Here's the I, thing you might like, and then here's right. the thing you'll definitely like. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think they. I think it was a very well put together uh, state of play. But anyway, <laughs> do the thing, man. Oh man, dude. The Last of Us Two is coming out on February twenty first, twenty twenty. That is. Yeah. That this is this has been after a lot of controversy. Like this has been, um, well, not not, not not that's that's the wrong word. Controversy is not the right word. A lot of talk back and forth just ongoing over and over again back and forth when's the release date when's the release date remember there was a time when everyone thought it was going to be released this year yep and everyone thought it was going to be i released. thought i thought everyone, that everyone thought it was going to be released the beginning of this year and then it was moved like people people's like oh well no no it's gonna be february of next year which it oh. turned out to be and then i it, was surprised when they didn't announce anything at e3 yeah yeah, um, yeah. Some people were looking were looking for that too. I mean, they didn't do they didn't, were not at E three themselves. Sony did not come to E three this year themselves. Well, sure, but, but I mean, they could have done a state of play like they Nintendo did. They did a state of play. They did a state of play right before E three. Yeah. Last of Us wasn't part of it. Yeah, um, and I mean. that's like, that's what surprised people. Yeah, um, but yeah. So so it, it jumped around a lot. It went from this year, the beginning of this year, to to May this year, to the end of this year, to. Uh, so, so, so February has come up before, uh, just, just to clarify, February actually came up a couple months ago. Like people thought, oh, it's going to be February. Then people started thinking, no, it's going to be May of next year. (laughs) So, Hmm. and then, but now we have the actual real, real date, February 21st. And on top of that, some stuff came out after the, uh, the state of play was over. Uh, Neil Druckmann wrote a blog post where he clarified a few more things. And I think this is important to, to mention too, because, if anyone was doubting, um, you know, that this is going to be Sony's perhaps biggest release ever, um, doubt no longer. Uh, because <laughs> Neil Druckmann's post basically lets you know. 
Uh, first of all, there's going to be three editions. There's going to be, well, there's going to be three physical editions. There's going to be a standard, collector's edition, and an Ellie edition. The Ellie edition is going to come with, I guess, a 12-inch uh, statue, mm-hmm. as well as a vinyl of the soundtrack and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, that's it's cool. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like going to be 200 bucks though, just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, I, I, collector's editions are cool, but they are I just... Cool. There's, nah, there's, yeah, they, I can't they justify. Cool. They're definitely cool, though. Um, it's, it's a cool thought. Um, and there's some in-game stuff, too, that you get with that. And there's, there's a digital deluxe edition as well for the digital people out there that where you get digital versions of all those things. Um, well, obviously, you can't get a digital Ellie statue, but, you know, all the things that can be digital, you get digitally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's, that's cool. But the real big thing, in my opinion, that hit me the hardest in that blog post is that the Last of Us Two game itself, much like our good friend Final Fantasy VII Remake, is going to be two Blu-ray discs. Oh, so we go back briefly to a quote from Wow from our good friend Troy Baker, who stated that the Last of Us Two is the most ambitious game that Naughty Dog has ever produced. I wow. believe that now. I believe that. Now. Yeah, just just the, that fact alone that it's going to be on two Blu-ray discs. That that is an indication of game size when you talk about having it on two Blu-ray discs. I mean, a Blu-ray can handle a lot. I mean, look at look at all the great games that are out that are on one disc. Blu-ray is what fifty gigs? Fifty gigs, yeah, fifty gigs. So it's we're talking about a hundred gig game, which which puts <laughs> I it remember, in. I remember when that was like that when Blu-ray was first a thing. And I was like, oh, 50 gigs, that'll never be used. Yeah, like, right. You'll right. never fill up a all Blu-ray. That even, even movies didn't fill all that space. You know? You'd have whole movie collections on one Blu-ray because there's so much space there. Yep. Um, I have the uh, TMNT trilogy, and it's on one Blu-ray. On one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we're, we're looking at games like Red Dead Redemption 2 was on two Blu-ray discs. That's mm. that's the kind of size we're staring at uh, with The Last of Us 2, it, it appears. Yep. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to be as open world. Like, I don't know. There's so many questions that I have now. Like, man, like how? How how do they fill that out? And like, how, how good is the story? I mean, we know the story is going to be good. The trailer was obviously. by the way. BT I did not see that trailer yet. The trailer was excellent. Uh, Joel is, in fact, in it. Okay. In case you were wondering. Um, so is Tommy. So, oh, ooh, okay, okay, yeah, good times, man. Uh, I I still maintain, and it's probably only going to be beaten by by the second game. But The Last of Us has one of the best stories in a video game ever. Yeah, I I completely agree. Even just just from the from the jump, the intro to The Last of Us, the the, the original Last of Us, is still. My favorite introduction that, to a video game. That that intro hooked me. I was just like, "Oh damn!" Like, if that's your intro, what else is? And then it just kept getting better and better. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. It just it just piles on. <laughs> it's just so good. And and to all think, the feels. So so let let's even let's even take that as an example. Okay, so we have we have we have the Naughty Dog level of production that we know is good. We know it's good from the Uncharted series. We know it's good from The Last of Us. Okay. The Last of Us Remastered fits on one Blu-ray disc. <laughs> you know? Like Yeah. And that game's I that mean, good. How do you, like 
how do you even how do you even that's what a how? seven year jump 2013 to 2020 yeah but well well the well yeah i, I guess it is but the, the last was came out for ps3 in 2013 but the last was remastered 2014 yeah but but still yeah it's, it's seven yeah. year jump between games um but how, like how do you how do you take that and expand something that's so good and, and build on it so much that you can't even fit it on one Blu-ray it's, disc anymore. It's, you that's have to use two. Got me even more hype for this for the, for this game. Just wow. Yeah, I mean, dude. <laughs> oh, I, know. I just I don't even know. Like I know Misty's gonna jump on it right away because Misty's all about that life. We, me and Misty have played The Last of Us one, um, like so three times. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this will, that'll probably happen again. Um. That is that is my big news. I want to talk about all those things. What is what was your gaming news thing? Um, so my thingy was uh, something I wanted to talk about last week, and I just forgot. Oh, um, but uh, Nintendo put out. Well, before they they revealed this thing, they put out I think like a screenshot. Or something like that, or a couple screenshots of this mysterious peripheral yeah. that nobody knew what it was. I'm like, what? What is this thing? And you know, I visually I can't describe it, obviously, but people were just like speculating what you know. It was clear that like the Joy Cons would like fit into this thing. Yeah. Um, and a week later, they just out of the blue. Here's a new thing, and the new thing is called Ring Fit Adventure. Indeed. Ring Fit Adventure, yes. And it looks really interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, basically, it's two. Per- it's actually two peripherals. It's um, what they're calling the Ring Con, I think. I think so, yeah. And it's basically like a resistance ring that you can like squeeze and stuff and you put yep. the you put the one of the joy cons in that and the second accessory for the other joy con is a thing that you like it's like a leg strap type thing um that you you put it around your legs and yep. so what they're making is a hybrid Exercise game slash RPG. Yeah. And uh, basically how it works is you run around. Well, you don't run around. Like, you you run in place. And you basically run along, like, this this world kind of like an on-rails. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's predetermined path. Like, you're, yeah. mm Mm-hmm. Apparently there there are little uh, detours and stuff you can make somehow. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I'm guessing using um, the jump mechanic probably. Yeah, and it's kind of nice how that works actually, because it's just like you don't jump with your feet; you like push down on the ring con to create like a a wind that pushes you a up. A wind yeah. that pushes you up. Yeah, yeah. Which is good, but like you know, especially if you're you know not on the ground floor of an, an apartment, you know, and you have right. to worry about noise, right. you know, right. That would be a little problem. And, and then you have 
turn-based battles, but they're not traditional, you know, pick things from a menu. I mean, you do pick things from a menu, but the way you execute your attacks is different exercise poses. Yeah. And you have different categories of poses that you can do. Um, I I forget what they all are, but like the there's different colors, and the different colors is like the the different categories of poses that you can do. Yeah, that's like it's, it's like a pose battle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a pose like, off. You might have to do some like a set of squats or various yoga poses. Or I don't know what else there is, but there's. It sounded like there was quite a bit of things in yeah. there. Um, and I am kind of excited, but at the same time, I don't have a whole lot of hope that this will be super playable. But it still looks really neat, and I at least want to watch a playthrough. Yeah. See, the thing about this is. Uh, I actually talked about this a little bit. Well, actually, uh, I wasn't even the first one to, to bring it up. On the other podcast that I was, uh, the Gamer Fuel Studios podcast, we talked about this. And the co-hosts of that show basically immediately started making fun of this thing. And I was like... Look. Oh, I think, I, I think it looks neat. I yeah. think it looks awesome. I was, I, well, I was like, look, here's the thing. We don't know, you know, as, as someone who is trying to advocate for accessibility, um, and trying to bring as many experiences to the blind as possible. I cannot outright dismiss any game. And this one, if it turns out to be playable, is a, you know, if if it happens to be playable, then here we go. Then we have a playable exercise game that is also, by the way, an RPG. (laughs) From from what I could kind of here like they were talking over it so it was kind of hard to make out but it sounded like their your little ring companion guy was shouting stuff out so i don't know how helpful that's going to be yeah in terms yeah, of the playability th- but the thing that uh the thing that worries me is i don't know if they were i don't know if they were doing that during like the, the pose offs like i don't i don't remember hearing they the, were i think they were okay yeah okay. i'm pretty that, sure that might okay so that is that is hard to hear then so i mean who knows I mean, the Switch is kind of weird about accessibility. Like, yeah, they don't they don't fully embrace it, and yet and yet some games they kind of do. Uh, yeah, like game... with One Two Switch. Yeah, One Two Switch is apparently fully accessible. Mm-hmm. I've never actually played it, by the way. I want to get it. I still haven't gotten it, but I I'd like to at some point. But apparently, like it narrates all the instructions for all the games, and you know, there you go. Yeah, Boom. it does. I've and... I've heard I've heard a playthrough, so I know. And there was another game recently. Oh, Smash. Yeah. Yeah, Smash. Or no, no, sorry, not Smash. Mario Maker wasn't Smash. It was Mario Maker 2. Mario Maker 2 has text-to-speech chat in multiplayer. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Nintendo is so weird about it. It's it's so... I mean, that's the only feature they have. Like yeah. for the, that would work for the blind. They don't have text... You know, they don't have narrated menus or anything like that. That's probably because of CBAA. Yeah, but that's probably the not, only reason. But, but not all their games have that though either. I yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> it's like, uh, I guess we'll be complying with this one. <laughs> Nintendo's so weird about that stuff. Yeah, they are it's... they are kind of weird about it. So so we're we're left in a place where we don't know, but as since we don't know, it's not really fair to us 
to outright dismiss it out, you know, just say, oh, well, it, it's just an exercise game. It's not going to be played. It sucks. Yeah. But even if it's not, I'm still kind of excited for it because yeah. the concept is so new and unique. It is different, like, yeah. It's like, it's like Wii Fitness, but cool. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. And the thing is, I think the reaction that the Game of Fuel Studios guys uh, had was based on the fact, I really do, I, I really believe this. I think it's based on the fact that they're so inundated with games. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to sound like, like a blind elitist or anything like that, but the site are so inundated with games. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And they have everything. They have casual experiences. They have beautiful hardcore crazy awesome hundreds of hours blah experiences they have everything there's literally a, con- a gaming convention called too many games right, so, so you is. know there literally is <laughs> and that's that's very accurate dude we need to make it in, in like 10 years we need to make too many games blind edition <laughs> <laughs> and in 10 years that'll probably be a thing yeah yeah but that's but, that, but, but that's kind of what i'm getting i at. welcome like, that future though like seriously it is the I, inundation I want that feature it is the, the the inundation of games uh raises the standards that that side of people tend to have so high oh yeah and while that can be a good thing i mean look 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 at the games we have coming out you know we have games that are going to be monstrous and that's because people have high standards and, and developers know they need to impress but it also hurts a little bit the smaller games like this you know this isn't a huge game it probably is not going to be you know, it has RPG elements, of course, but it's not going to be a 50-hour RPG. I'm, I well, actually, I I, I don't know. No, don't Nintendo. Know. No, Nintendo has literally stated if you play an hour a day of this game, it'll take you a few months to complete. Really? Yes, dude. Dude, that's more than I was expecting. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> I mean, but then again, I guess why am I surprised? Look at the story mode of Smash. It's like, you're still you're still well. You kind of you kind of gave up made, on that for now. Well, but. yeah. I've, I've, well, the, the thing is though, with all the progress I have made, I was told recently that I'm still in the beginning. What? Yeah. What? Oh my god! Are you apparently, serious? Apparently, the main map, the world map that I've been on for a long time now, is just the first world map. Uh, oh my god. That's insane, dude. Smash, bro. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Wow. But that's going to have to, you know, what I need to do with Smash, I, I'm not saying Smash is dead forever on my stream, but I, I'm going to need someone in there like Gary Shiggles who knows basically who knows how the map this. works. Yeah, he knows yeah. the Smash map very well. He's been able to guide me through play, other places that I wouldn't, wasn't able to get through on my own, so I need him around. <laughs> the dreaded power plant. Oh, I know, the power, but at least we had him, though, for that. Yeah. And we made up so many words that day. Uh, power friend, power pal, power guy, power buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> so Ring Fit, though, does look like a neat thing. Um, I don't I'm, an, it... I'm a big RPG fan anyway, so I'm just like very intrigued by this concept. It's, it's definitely not a thing that I would pick up on launch. No. It's something that I would listen to a bit of a playthrough and establish in my mind. Okay, is this a thing we could do? Like, I am re- I'm really excited to check out an older game. Speaking of RPGs, it's it, kind of like like this in a way, um, or like uh, Ring Fit. Um, I don't know if you remember the game Metopia. I do not. I do not. Um, 
basically it's a little silly RPG that's based on using um me like me's as your characters. Oh. <laughs> that's cool. So you can have, you know, you can pick you can literally pick like recast every character in the game as whatever as, you want. As a me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty good. But that's pretty um cool. A lot of the stuff is automatic, and I'm kind of excited to check it out. I uh, got into. I recently discovered that 3DS emulation is a thing. I don't oh, know yeah. what rock I've been living under, but apparently it's it's been a thing for a while. Oh, all right. So uh, I'm kind of. I want to check out Metopia and see how how playable it is, how, and if how it's, and if it works. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Um, so yeah. That was my thing. That was that was I, your thing. So that's all we have for gaming news. Good lord, actually, a long gaming news segment. Not a, not a bad thing, certainly. This yeah. is going to be a long episode, though. <laughs> Saying that right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. That's good, I think, though. I think the people will approve. Honestly, yeah. The more we can, you know, honestly, the longer we can make these episodes, honestly, the that means that means things are going well, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's move forward then. Let's get into accessibility news. Alrighty then, it's time for some accessibility-related news, and I have a couple things that I want to mention. Um, I think I want to let you take one of them, Sterlock, because you're the one who found it. I'm not going to take credit for it. Okay. Um, we'll get to that though. First, I want to mention uh, I want to I want to talk for a little bit about the Inquisitor series, um, because they are approaching their fourth game, fourth and final game, apparently in that series, um, and. They're well, making... if you if you count Heartbeat, but oh, I yeah. forgot all about Heartbeat. Oh wow, <laughs> Heartbeat's weird though. I I couldn't. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> well, in in a way, all those games are weird. But yeah, that said, um, they're making some bold statements about that in, that game, mm-hmm. and uh, I that company tends to do that though. <laughs> I, yeah. I hate to say it, but that that's kind of their thing. They like to over. They like to oversell. I, I I wonder sometimes if they themselves actually look around at the audio gaming scene and see where we are, I or if they just that they, make I don't games think they, and I don't think they do. I really yeah. don't think I'm. I mean, we're kind of blowing this out early, right? But like, I really don't feel like they have a grasp on the rest of the audio game market. Yeah, because they I, make I these. Know. They make these bold claims like they did with like their racing game and it's just like oh this is super basic and not really anything it's kind of strange the way that mm -hmm. racing game functions is just kind of strange to me yeah but but anyway that said the inquisitor game i had kind of fun with shinor though shinor was kind of interesting once i figured out how you know i never finished shinor i should probably get i should probably do that again i never finished that game i did not understand for like 10 minutes how the crap that game worked and then once I kind of figured it out, oh, you just kind of like, explore around the screen until you find stuff. Yeah. But yeah. the game I, was not very clear on how that worked for... Yeah, yeah, I never uh, finished uh, it. I should, it was, I should go back into that. It's all right. It's it's a fun, like, so, hour or two. So all these things said, though, the Inquisitor is, at least in my opinion, the best of this company's games. Yeah. Uh, what are they? Audio, Audio Game Association is what, what they're called. I think they're based out of Italy. They're, they're based out of Italy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They're Italian. 
The Inquisitor series is the best of their work. Yeah. Okay. So the first three games in this series are what you'd consider point-and-click adventure-style games. Um, for us, as blind people, this means that they are menu-based. So if we want to use something in our inventory, we go to our inventory, we find it, we click on use. Think like Deja Vu, Uninvited, uh, like the NES games, like uh, Princess Tomato and the Salad Kingdom. Yeah. To go, to go super obscure. Book, Book of Unwritten <laughs> Tales. Oh, Book of Unwritten Tales is that too? Yeah. Oh, no, no, cool. not, 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 not actually... Not actually with the menu-based system, but... I'm oh, but it's, about, an, it's another point-and-click. It's point-and-click, yeah. 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 It's not for Maniac, blind people. <laughs> Maniac Mansion. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so games like that, where there's there's puzzles that are based around items you find, conversations you have, you know, things like that. It's it's all... it's all Even moving from place to place in the first three games, it, you choose that you want to go somewhere, and then it walks there automatically. You know what? Snatcher works that way, too, actually. Oh, yeah? Snatcher, Snatcher is a menu-based... Um, point and clicky type game oh okay which is, I, which is cool i have not heard of that that game that is one of uh hideo kojima's lesser known games but oh it's a right very, yeah, that's right you mentioned it game. last week i love that week. game right. so much that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's how the first three games work and that works for them um that uh that system is is nice the games are in my opinion they're good the voice acting in my opinion is is over the top but that's okay uh you know, I can get. It's almost that. it's almost part of the charm at this at it, that it point. Almost, though. Yeah, it is almost part of the charm at this point. The fourth game, though, the bold claims. Let's talk about the bold claims they're making. They are they're <laughs> they have claimed, and they did this to me in a mention on Twitter. They claim that the fourth game in the Inquisitor series is the biggest audio RPG ever made. Mm, so I think a hero's call would beg to differ, but. So they're so they're they're claiming to go full RPG with this. Now, here is my concern. Now, okay, first of all, let me just say, if this claim proves to be true, holy cow, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Okay. Now. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> my concern here, my concern here, is they released a demo of the Inquisitor Four, and I played it off stream. I played it off stream. The reason I chose to play it off stream is because I'm going to play the original three on stream before we play the fourth one. Yeah. And to be clear, no matter what, I will be playing the fourth one. Um, but the Inquisitor demo came out, the fourth, the, the, it's called The Demon, came out with a demo. And already I'm concerned. <laughs> the reason I say that is because they're claiming it's the world's biggest RPG, but they're, from, from what that demo shows, there's no actual real exploration whatsoever Mm. um you can walk around but you always have a place to go you always have a place that you're supposed to go and the game will continue to guide you to the place you're supposed to go um pretty much oh like if if i if you try to go off sides it's just an invisible wall everywhere so you have to go the way you're so you're just you're just on a always on a set path then what's the point you can the difference. The difference, of course, is that you you're actually walking as opposed to clicking on you know places. So you you actually move. You use the arrow keys to move around. Like you know, with the first yeah. three games, you use a menu. Now you use the arrow but keys. But I to mean, move. if but you're just still, always restricted to a to a linear path with nothing still, to collect or anything, I don't know. That's there, there are things to collect. There are things to collect, but they are very, very, very close to the the path. You know what I'm saying? 
So you'll, you'll be walking and, and you'll be like, oh, to your right is this thing. So you turn, you pick it up, you turn back, back down the path. See, that's where like I hear us call and like Manamon do it right because like there's plenty of crap on the on on the uh, off the beaten path for you to yeah, plenty of reason collect. to explore, plenty of reason to just walk around in a place and try to find there are, there's are secrets in both of those games. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's not going to be a single secret in this game. No, I don't um, think so because I was picking up so so the, 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 when the demo started, I was walking uh, through a house and I was picking up things in the house that I had no idea why I was picking up. I had no idea why I had these things. Turns out there were items for a puzzle I didn't even find yet because it was not, it was later. I found the, pu- the items first, then I found the puzzle I needed them for. And if that's the way the whole game works, oh, there's, no, there's, no, there's not even going to be any mystery in the puzzle solving. That's because you're, already, you're always going to have the items you need. Wow, that's disappointing. Now, to... To, to go to go to a positive real quick, um, the the sound production is pretty good, and to, if, if if I'm gonna give them credit for anything, I will give them credit. Their sound design is actually pretty good all all across the board. Yeah, the music is pretty good. Um, the voice acting is still over the top, but again, we've already said that's pretty that's much just, part of the charm. That's just point. kind of their, it's just, their, their, like it's what you expect. It's still over the top, but there there's also a lot more of it. One, another positive I'll give you is there's a lot more of it. There's actual conversation. Well, no, there, never mind. There's conversation in the first game too, in the first three games too. But um, you have cutscenes um, when you enter every area that describe the area to you, and maybe something happens in that cutscene too. But okay. it's, it's, it's it's meant as a you know descriptive tool, so it describes the whole area to you, gives you a little cutscene with some music in the background. That's that's good. That's neat. Uh, if if you can build a lot of areas like that, if you can build a big, big world, then it's still going to be a good game. Yeah. Um, it's just, you have to, you have to face the fact that it's, it's going to be a linear game too. Um, mm-hmm. Now back to another negative. And I, I, I'm so sad. This is a negative, but here you go. Combat in this game is super weird. It's super weird. <laughs> you can have, you have two types of attacks. You have physical attacks and you have faith attacks because you're an inquisitor you know you're a holy person um so the the way the way that works best so the less faith an enemy has the more likely they are to uh take a hit or do something dumb like they you can actually uh make your enemies panic that in itself sounds neat that's but cool. here's but here's the thing here's the thing the faith attacks are mini games what? Well, actually, all, all the all the attacks are mini games. Even physical attacks are mini games. So when when a fight starts, the best thing to do is to attack your enemy's faith first, because uh, if you don't do that, they'll take less damage and you'll take more damage, and so on and so forth. Um, so best thing to do is attack their faith first. Well, it's a to, to so you, you use your faith attack, and it's a mini game where you just press the arrow key that it tells you to press. Um, I don't even know how much time you have to press it because I never ran out of time. Uh, wow. So that also you, could be a demo thing too, though. Fairly, to be fair. Maybe, but I, I don't, I don't. But knowing the is. way they, knowing the way they design games, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, you can just obliterate an enemy's faith right away because you do your faith attack. You just don't, you just don't fail for long enough, and they'll lose a bunch of faith points. And then they'll start panicking and not even attacking you and just not even defending themselves. So combat so, is ridiculously easy then. Uh, it wasn't so 
I didn't quite understand it at first, so I actually took a, quite a few hits at first because I didn't understand the whole, uh, you know, attack the faith first idea. And if you don't, so here's what here's where it gets weird. If you don't attack the faith first, if you don't if you don't go for their faith points first, and you just attack them physically, even if your physical attack is successful, you take damage. What? I don't understand that. What? You take damage, not them. You. Da- so, uh... so the way physical attacks work is you you start the you start the attack, and then you press a key. Um, you, you rapidly press a key, rapid taps on one key. I believe it's enter. Rapid taps on enter until the sound effect that's playing is over. Sound, there's a sound effect in the background. It's basically building up your power for the attack. If if their faith beats your attack power, or no, sorry, if their if their guard their guard ability beats your attack power, then you take damage instead of them. Huh. Um. Yeah, it's. That, it's very strange, but once yeah. but once you once you obliterate their faith by playing that mini game, you just own the battlefield. Hmm. You just they won't even defend themselves. They'll be panicking. They won't. They don't even try to guard. So every one of your attacks will be at full power if you yep. just obliterate their faith first. Wow, that's very unbalanced. You can also guard if you think they're going to attack you physically, um, and your guard, I guess, will be. I, I don't know. I don't get it really because like. You take damage if you try to attack them and fail, but you would also theoretically take damage if you try to guard them and, from their attack and fail. So do you then damage them if you guard their attack successfully? I think it's really strange. It's really strange. Yeah. It's not, it's not turn-based in the way you're thinking it's turn-based. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like rock, paper, scissors almost. You, huh. choose, you choose one thing, they choose one thing. There's not like a uh, defend turn and attacking turn. You oh, it's, okay. You just have to. Hope. Yeah, it is it's one thing. Or it's so strange. That's weird. But that said, like I, I'm not. Believe it or not, I'm saying all this stuff, but I am looking forward to the game. I actually am. Um, yeah. Because I like the first three, um, and I'll probably like this one too. Ultimately, I think again the sound design is really good, and if they if they can make it a larger game in a larger world. Okay, fine. It'll be a linear but larger game. Okay, cool. So I am looking forward to it. But that said, it's very weird, and I don't know if they can back up their their bold claim that's the biggest RPG. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think so. I don't, I don't see that so. happening. I, I I have my doubt. The demo by itself, I actually, it's so weird. I had uh, I had hope for a second because the file size for the demo is one point one gigs, and I was like, why is this one point one gigs? What the demo takes about. 40 minutes to complete and it's 1.1 1. 1 uh, I uh, I mean are there there aren't graphics in their games are there either like they're they're just audio right I think they're just audio I think so why why I don't know did you record all of your audio in flack or <laughs> right? something like right? I mean their audio is very high quality again to their credit but it must be or something <laughs> it's got to be like all uncompressed all uncompressed, lossless yeah. just flack just yeah yeah it's I, gotta be that seems very it's a lot like counterproductive like why would you need a f- why would you need a file size that big yeah for a but, demo but that, again all that said i'm looking forward to it here's hoping the final game is is good if yep. if, if it's not good hopefully it's at least funny yeah 
<laughs> I mean, we may, I mean, we'll laugh at the voice something, acting and something to. Oh boy, we'll laugh at the voice acting. Oh boy, <laughs> you just wait. I almost, uh-huh. I almost said, I almost said, you just wait, chat. I almost just said that. Just <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <sighs> I'm used to so used being, to streaming. Yep. All right. So that's that thing. The second thing I want to talk about is actually really short because it's it's very, it's kind of strange to me. Um, Falling Squirrel, the company that is uh, that makes the veil. Uh, which I, I did. I played the demo on stream last week ish. Um, they re-released their announcement trailer on YouTube, and the only reason I want to mention that is I don't know why they did that. <laughs> it's I listened to it very carefully. It's the same trailer they released months ago. So I hate maybe to, maybe to just remind people, hey, we're still here. Maybe, but I mean, it was a new upload though. Like I got, I got a YouTube upload notification that they had yeah. uploaded a new video. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a tweet they posted. It was like they re-uploaded a video. So I'm wondering, and I hate to ask this, but I'm wondering if there's a new release date in the new video that is not voiced. Like it's just on screen, a release date, I, which I, to me is I a very weird like, thing to do. I feel like they would have tweeted that out though, if that was the yeah, case. Yeah, I, I actually usually pretty good about before we started recording today, I checked their Twitter timeline and there's not even a mention of this. Yeah. But I got, I got not, not just a notification on the YouTube app itself, but I got an email letting me know they uploaded. So it wasn't a mistake. They uploaded, they re-uploaded their trailer and it's not, it's not super news. I just, I wish I knew why. That is a little bit strange. Because, because we want a release date. Now that, now that we obviously know it's not August because August is over. We want September's a September's almost over, even. Yeah, so, September yeah. almost almost over. So yeah, we want a release date. So, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just a little curious about that. But that's 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 my second thing. Now the third thing I wanted you to bring up because you you're the one that discovered it. This is the thing you tweeted at me about. Uh, well, this morning. I, yeah, this morning. Yeah, that thing. So, I saw this when it was originally posted, and I just kind of forgot about it because this came out before um, the game released. But um, Catherine Fullbody, which is a basically remastered slash deluxe version of the PS3 game of uh, the same name, just Catherine, uh, has some interesting new changes. And one one particular change that is – it kind of falls in with – some stuff we were talking about last week and I yeah. think the week before. It does, it does. Um, it has... So, for for people who may not be familiar with Catherine, Catherine is sort of a hybrid story adventure game slash puzzle platformer. Mm-hmm. And so... For the puzzle and platforming sections, they added what's called auto mode, where it just it will do everything for you, so you can just experience the story. And to be clear, this is new to full body. This is new to full body. Yes, it's not in the original Catherine. Yeah. So, what that means is we can, as blind people, can actually experience the story of Catherine, which without having to watch a YouTube playthrough. Now it would have been cool if 
you know, there were a way for us to actually work through the the puzzles. Yeah. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah, it sure would have. But I I understand and can can respect this choice too. I mean, it's I'm not going to harp on them for for it, doing this. As, as you said, it literally goes back to what we were discussing the previous week. This this game is not built for accessibility from the ground up. It's not. No. And when we, we like 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 we discussed, when a game is not built from the ground up for accessibility, uh, we'll take it if something works for us. You know, if if yep. if if it happens to be super duper ultra easy mode, hey, we can play the game that way. And and let's let's be clear too, uh, for the audience listening, there is still elements of this game that we have to play. We're not yeah. actually just we're not turning over total control. We're just turning we're over doing, control during the puzzle platforming seg- we're, segment. We're still doing a little bit of walking around. We're still doing you know the texting sections because there's like a I don't know what you'd call it. Not quite a dating sim, but like it kind of is though. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is though. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, because you're kind of you got to work two, through some relationships. relationships. Well, now mm-hmm. three, according uh, in full body. Oh, was, there's a, there's a new character now? in full body. Yeah. Okay. They added completely new character and a new pathway for Vincent to go down in, Interesting. in full body. Okay. So there's three now. Um, but uh, so yeah, so it might sound small to you guys to say we can do the texting, but that's a large part of the game. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's a large part of the game. So um, the other cool thing that this game does, and I guess the original did it. I have no experience with the original. It did, so, yeah, it did. It did. Um, a lot of the menus are narrated by the one and only awesome, amazing Jameson Price. Yeah, they are. And this was a thing. Uh, this is a, this is an example of accidental accessibility right here because this was not done for the blind. It was done. No, it was done atmospherically. It was done atmospherically because Jameson Price's voice. If you if you've heard any of, of Catherine, Jameson Price's voice is all throughout the story. Yeah, he's Narrating basically your bits. narrator. He's yeah. your narrator. He asks you questions along the way, so it's more atmospheric. It's not intended for the blind, but it just happens to be that the menus, most of the menus, are narrated. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this this is also true in the original Catherine. I remember that well enough. But I actually dismissed the original Catherine back in the day because, because of the puzzle platform. Puzzle platform. I was like, well, this sounds great, awesome. Oh wait. Here's this thing you have to do. And the oh. acting that I heard in the... I mean, he skipped a lot of the stuff in the in the recording. Uh, the, the acting guy is good. That, the acting seems really good. I they mean, actually, it's top it's top level voice act, like voice talent. Believe it or not, Vincent and Catherine is considered to be, believe it or not, one of Troy Baker's top ten roles. Really? Yes. <laughs> and he's Apparently, done a lot of stuff. He's so. done a lot of stuff. So I guess it's... I mean... From what I heard, it is good. So I guess it's that good. Okay. Um, I think I think a lot of it, it comes from the fact that you can really hear how troubled he starts to get when things ramp up. Because you mm-hmm. know, you're you're in, this this game is about a situation where he's torn between uh, two now three women. So things get troubling for poor Vincent. Um, I love how they even narr- like the narrator even kind of pokes fun at that. Like yeah. Gaidar tormented hero through the story, yeah, right. and he, he's like he almost sounds like he's smiling while he says yeah. it too. Do you notice he does, that? He does. Like, he does. He has a little bit of a smirk on his face. So when he's saying that, it sounds like yeah, yeah, I agree. But but yeah, so I saw I read the comments on the the post about this, and I saw 
there was a commenter that said, um, we don't need this. Make accessible, you know. And I hear that person. I do. But that's not likely to happen like that. It doesn't work like no. that. Accessibility no. doesn't work like if 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 developers are gonna make games accessible, usually there are a few cases where some stuff is patched in, but usually you have to start from the beginning. Yep. So the likelihood of them making it accessible isn't very high. So that taken into account, this is still a thing. This is still a way for us to experience the story. And we can even make choices in the story and change it and experience the story multiple times I'll, if we want to. I'll see different it. pathways. I want, I mean, I'm not going to get it this month because I can't really afford to, but I plan on picking this up next month for sure. Yeah. I want to yeah. get this. Yeah. We'll take it. And you've already said that you're thinking about streaming it. I, I, I am going to stream it. I already am. It's, it's basically already decided because um, Misty wanted this game anyway. She was already mm-hmm. considering picking it up anyway. Well, so this is, something we, this is something we will get. Yeah. And she'll have her playthrough. I'll have my playthrough. And yep. we'll just do our, do our thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm down with this. Um, I, it completely flew under my radar when I originally saw it. I was like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. And then, like, I... I don't know why. I, like I was thinking about picking up the demo, and then I guess I just got distracted by other things that were going on, and I just completely forgot about it. Yeah. And then I found it this morning. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! This just came out, didn't it?" What? Wait a minute. Yeah, I think it came out at the beginning of this month. September thirteenth, I believe it came out. Yeah. So. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. There you go. I mean, it's it's a game that through a design choice, it's it's really no different than. Like Resident Evil, it's Resident it's an Evil Six. It's an mm-hmm. accidental design choice that happens to work in our favor, and we're taking advantage of that to play it. So, yep. yeah, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. I think it's going to yeah. be fun. I'm excited. Of course, I'm probably going to make jokes while I stream it. Like, oh man, I'm so freaking good at this. Pu- look at me. Look at me go. I'm so good at this <laughs> puzzle platforming nonsense. <laughs> I'm the best at this. <laughs> I'll probably do that on stream. But oh man, did you see the way I put those blocks together? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't oh, man, put blocks I... together like that, could you? That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, make make that stairway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I'm super hyped now. Like yeah. I, this game was completely under my radar. Uh, like, just in one, in one morning, like just hearing that recording, and like okay, yeah. I want this. I, I see I'm nothing. All in. I see nothing wrong with experiencing a story that we can still interact with. And still, by interacting with change, the course of the story, I see nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And that, I, is, that is a game to me. And I didn't experience the original game. I completely skipped it. I was yeah. just like, oh, this this kind of cool. I, like I, I, heard, heard, I heard the I heard beginning people, of the original game. I heard people talk about like how good and quirky and weird it was. Yeah. But uh, that was about it. Yeah, I, like, I, I, heard knew, the I knew it was a thing, but... So now I totally want to experience this firsthand and see yeah. see all the story. And even like even if here's the thing though, Storylock too. Even if uh, even if I don't I, see, I don't know exactly when I'm going to stream this. It's probably going to be soon, but I don't know exactly when. But even if you watch my stream, you could just play your game a different way. Yeah, the story has multiple endings. So yeah, there you go. I mean, really, you could play it through the game three times if you wanted to get all three. Yeah, all three pathways. Extreme extreme pathways. Yeah. So there you go. It's a it's that's, that's, that's a game cool. to me. That's a game to me. Absolutely. Take the puzzle platforming out. It's that's still a game to me. Yeah, you're still experiencing a story. Yep. I 
I'm just curious how far, going back to Death Stranding, how far that's oh. going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know yeah, you I mean? kind of wonder. You kind of wonder, don't you? Mm-hmm. Hmm. How much interaction do we still have to do? Right, 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 right. And how, how much combat and how much, you know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, there's a lot of things in Death Stranding uh, that could be, I don't know, maybe troublesome because there's a lot of, there's like nine stats that you have to watch. And oh, like there's geez. there's a stat for how your blood level is and how Whoa. happy happy the uh the the what do they call that the the baby thing that you're carrying around the pod baby thing how <laughs> how happy that thing is is a stat that you have to that game just looks all kinds of uncomprehensible and I kind of love it it's it's all kinds of Kojima and I kind of love it for that yeah um but yeah so that that thing has a stat too um for how happy it is you have to keep it happy. Or else it, you won't see the BTs as well, or something. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, this game, man, this game. I, <laughs> what November is that November? Over? November. Yeah. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll I, learn then. I guess we'll figure it I, out. Then. <laughs> I, I kind of can't wait. Oh man, it's it's oh, something. Man. It's gonna be. I I I really want to mess around with that game. I, I'm probably gonna get that game because I want to mess around with it. Yeah. Uh I will and try just that to support Kojima, too. Oh, by the way, yeah. I know this is a tangent, but that's kind of what we're known for at this point. Did you hear that whole non-traversy that was going on a couple days ago where he made some statement and people took his statement? I forget what the, what the statement was, but basically people were... Trying to use his own statements to trying to, to use his own statements tear to tear him down and say like like oh he's he's saying that he's the only person that worked on this game like no that's right not, right yeah yeah, uh, yeah. people that's, that's what that's what stop. some people do I, I don't know people are weird like that I don't twenty nineteen twenty nineteen twenty nineteen guys twenty nineteen <laughs> all right I think that's <laughs> unless you have something else I think that's all we have uh nope I got nothing else okay so full disclosure before we go forward then. Um, this interview is pre-recorded, and, and I was I was not present for it. Unfortunately, Sir I was. Luck, yeah, Sir Luck was. Not I was upset, but yeah, Sir Luck unfortunately did not was unable to make it to the interview. Circumstances conspired. But now him. that now that it's about to happen, I'm gonna officially say the words. We, I can't even say the words. It's we got huge. an interview. We got an interview with the accessibility advocacy guru himself, my friends. Uh, this is that big. This is an interview with the guy who I I I say in an interview too. He basically discovered me. Um, you know, Misty was the one who started me on the path that I'm on, and he was like the catalyst. And He's I say that part of the yeah. reason you you are where you are today. Yeah, I would say. he is. He is 100 part of the reason I'm where I am where I am today. Back in GDC 2014, I met him for the first time. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, disabled people of all types know of him have talked to him. He is a tremendous advocate and he's not even disabled. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. That is pretty pretty he, awesome. He's one of those rare individuals who advocates for things that he does not himself experience. And it's tremendous. And he's amazing at it. He does he does a fantastic job in all forms of disability. Ladies and gentlemen, we got an interview with Ian freaking Hamilton. And yeah, it's good. The man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend. It's good. I, it's... I'm not even saying that jokingly either. It's just like, oh, okay, this guy's actually like got a lot of clout. He's got a huge amount of clout. A huge amount of clout. Even more than 
you might think. <laughs> Even <laughs> there, he has apparently seen things that I haven't seen, and I and, you, and you've and you've seen some cool stuff. I've seen some cool stuff that I can't. That talk you about. still can't talk about. <laughs> but he apparently uh, he apparently knows about things related to blind accessibility that I don't know, which means he's got a lot of freaking clap. Wow. Anyway, let's get to it, guys. Interview time. Ian frickin' Hamilton. We'll be right back with the, the outro. Welcome back to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest today. A super awesome, amazing, special guest today. So happy to have you on the show. Ian Hamilton, accessibility genius. Welcome, my friend, to the show. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know if I can quite live up to that intro, but um, hello anyway. Well, I, I, I try to give my guests uh, the best possible intro I can, I can come up with. So, you know, there you go. So, uh, first of all, it's, it's, it's great to have you on the show. It's, it's uh, been, ever since I started this podcast, it's been a goal of mine to work up to you. <laughs> but I didn't expect it to happen quite the way that it happened. But it happened, which is fine with me. Um, so, uh, for context here, for the listeners out there, um, Ian is kind of the one who, uh, he's kind of the catalyst for what I'm doing today. Um, so, while I've always said that it was my fiance who started me on this path, uh, Ian was like the industry insider that discovered me. Like, if this was like a movie about a, a musician, uh, Ian would be the record producer. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. Um, so we met back in 2014 in, at GDC uh, when I was on a panel with him about accessibility. And uh, that's where it all began. Uh, so, Ian, you've been doing this longer than I have. Um, so for the sake of the, the audience, uh, how did you get started on this, this path of accessibility? What you're doing today, all the things. Um, well, it was kind of a, um, kind of a three-step process. So... I kind of started when I was working for the BBC and I was there working on their kids games. So like oh, okay. Teletubbies and Bob Builder and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I saw some playtesting footage of games that had been um, adapted for use um, using a single key press. And um, the reason why this had been done on these, these kids games was um, because if something can be accessed with a single key mapped to an accessibility switch, yeah. which can be anything from like a button attached to a wheelchair headdress to a tube you blow into to all kinds of stuff. It's exactly the same kind of tech that Stephen Hawking um, famously used. So anyway, yeah. I saw this, um, I saw this uh, testing footage. And basically when I, when I was a kid myself, when I was at school, um, the school I was at had an exchange program with a special education school. And I'd seen preschool kids with this kind of level of motor impairment we were pretty much just lying there at the back of the classroom being cared for, like passive participants in classroom. Right, right. And then through, these, through this relatively minor tweak to how the games were designed, these same kids were like laughing, smiling, playing, doing exactly the same thing that all their classmates were doing as equal participants in that little mini society. So um, that was the first step, really. That kind of blew my mind because um, BBC is pretty up on their accessibility anyway. Yeah. Um, up to that point, it was just kind of like, here's a list of guidelines you have to be familiar with. That was what really drove it home to me, actually seeing firsthand what the human benefit was, um, seeing that actually the day-to-day -day design decisions that we make um, can have a really profound impact on people's lives. 
Um, so that was that was the the first thing that that kind of opened my eyes a bit. Yeah. Um, then... Second thing was um, was basically as as the years went on, um, um, BBC also acts as a publisher um, with lots of external studios. Um, so I was in the position of being um, design sign-off um, for all these various different games that all these other companies were making. And um, I just kept seeing all these companies that were putting so much polish and hard work into really small details of their games, make it a tiny bit better. Yeah. Also, accidentally making their game a miserable experience for all of their colorblind players by right. using red and green for checkpoints and stuff, you know? Not right. for any good reason, just because they didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, so that was yeah. kind of the second thing that got me into doing, like, internal kind of, like, awareness raising and working guidelines and internal consulting and that kind of stuff to try and fix a bit of that problem. And that's the thing, that's from a design background, and, and that's where you find a lot with designers. Is, um, people think designers are motiv- motivated by creativity. They're really not. Designers are motivated by, motivated by frustration of seeing things that are broken and need to be fixed and done right. their way. So that's kind of what was happening there. Yeah. Um, then the third thing really was when um, BBC moved off to the other side of the country. Um, I couldn't move with them because uh, my wife was um, studying um, in London at the time. So we were kind of anchored there. Um, so by this stage, accessibility was actually like a proper part of my job description. So knowing that, you know, in, in, in other industries, like in the web industry, construction and stuff, that's a standard career path, right? Working in accessibility. Yeah. So um, I looked around for other places in the games industry where I could carry on working in game accessibility. And there were none, literally zero. Like just, just the concept of, of somebody having a job working in accessibility did not exist in the industry yep. at all. Yep. So that was the big eye-opener for me. So it's kind of at that point that rather than looking around to continue doing a job that I enjoyed doing, that's what probably got me into um, advocacy and awareness raising. That's when I started going and like go, doing talks and writing and working on guidelines and stuff to try and we guess the same kind of thing just being motivated by trying to fix the the problem that clearly needs something doing about it yeah joining all the other people that are already working to try and change that yeah indeed indeed and that's 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 so interesting your your pathway uh to this point is so interesting because like it, it was it was basically just you noticing that there were problems and then noticing that people didn't know how to solve those problems because there's no education on it there was no Mm -hmm. positions for it you know that kind of thing going briefly back to the bbc i actually want to just give them a a shout out because the bbc really is as you said the bbc really is uh it really was you know kind of a pioneer of accessibility before it was a thing um i know that they have helped with existing audio games and unfortunately some that don't exist anymore (laughs) that you can't get anymore but uh, also yeah, I know that's way. always the way. But they've also made a couple of their own. I remember playing them back in the mm-hmm. day. It was like many years ago. But they had they had some good stuff in there. It's like a it was like an interactive audio drama thing. Like a, uh, I think it was like a mystery that took place in a bank. It's really cool. I remember that very well. And they did it. They did it. Yep. They did a fantastic job. They had all the right things that we needed. They had audio cues. It was great. And that was before it was really a thing. And they were they were just doing it. Um. So, yeah, I think that I think BBC had their first their first formal internal accessibility requirements for games in, I think, uh, two thousand six. Yeah, that, that sounds right. So that sounds like it's probably right. Yeah, because well, it was it was a lot of years ago that I that I played this game. It was it was a game that mm-hmm. all, it was on their website. It was like a flash game, but it was still a fully accessible audio game. It was awesome. Yeah, that's it. even even though the games were all made in Flash, then there was an internal requirements for everything to work with um, one and two switches and the screen readers yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. It's, it's insane. I, I really appreciate their work. Um, anyway, so one of the things, one of the ways I wanted to frame uh, one of the questions I had for you is, 
So, Ian, do you remember 2014? Is it <laughs> is it possible to remember the time when 2014 happened, when we were on that panel for accessibility at GDC, and there was, eh, I mean, there were people there, you know, there were a few people there, yep. <laughs> and they were listening, and it was good, it was it went well, but even then, how different was the landscape of accessibility even even that day, you know? It was it was so yeah well even just just looking at that looking at GDC as as a, as an example it was it was literally exponential so we're actually going going further back in time um to when to, when would it have been I think probably more like about was it about 2010 or something of like that um the IGDA's um, accessibility group um they ran an accessibility session at GDC and um, that had one attendee oh. and he got into the wrong room by mistake oh well then <laughs> so even by the so even so even by the time we got to 2014 it yeah you're right turnaround. you're right it's it's interesting so it's so it's in every year yeah. it's exponential that's a thing so like like one year there was there was like a dozen people in accessibility sessions the next year there was you know like 20 the next year there was 40 the next year there was 80 and literally doubled i think we had year. i think we had about um, so, and then it was i think i recall yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and it changed quite a lot as well the 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 um, demographics that were in the sessions yeah. as well, because um, back when we were doing that panel, the people attending um, were primarily um, indies and academics. Um, so it was so it was another couple of so it's more like kind of like twenty fifteen twenty sixteen that you started getting interest from um, AAAs coming to the accessibility sessions, and and now that's that's the the scale has tipped the other directions. Now is um, yeah, so I think the one that we month i think currently around uh, like something like probably about 50 60 percent of the attendees are from the big studios which is an enormous turnaround yeah it's 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 tremendous how how much this changed and the reason the reason i wanted to start uh, open with that is, is mostly because i remember i still remember going back to 2014 uh not the panel itself I, mean, I remember the panel itself very well but besides the panel itself i remember so well going onto the gdc mm. show floor and trying to be the guy, trying to talk to developers about accessibility on the GDC show floor in 2014. And I got all the things that I expected to get back then, which were kind of a little bit of ridicule, <laughs> a little bit of laughter, you know, a little bit of that's not possible, you know. And things are just so different now. It's just, yep. it's so different now. Um, yeah, I had all exactly the same experience as well. I did did the rounds of that. For, I mean, from that's what I immediately started doing after I finished up at um, BBC. So from that would have been like yeah, like two thousand eleven and two thousand and twelve, going to all the conferences, going around the show floor, um, like trying to corner some poor developer um, <laughs> in a bar yeah. at the event afterwards and bend his ear, and just just working on individual people, just trying to like gradually like persuade even just because that's the thing like even if you can manage to persuade one person that it matters that person will then go and speak to other people as well so it multiplies so um so i think even now even those even those one-off individual conversations people yeah. have, have are still really important um literally every every single um decent bit of progress that's ever happened in accessibility um is because some people have i can, a conversation I can to that personally i mean almost every day i'm being introduced to new people you know that are like oh you're a blind person that can play games huh, <laughs> you know, how do I make this work? And But that's the thing. That's the difference. People are curious now. 
yeah, people, people are saying, curious, how do I make yeah. it work now? That's a yep. huge difference from, from even, even back then. So I can only speak to, obviously, my own, you know, my experience when I started back in 2014. Well, I think that's something of a snowball as well. Hey, technical difficulties. Aren't they great? Aren't they just the most wonderful things? <laughs> Always uh, the best. How far did we get to? I think I was talking for a while after it was cut off. Oh. <laughs> no, so as far as I'm concerned, it cut off right after I was just saying how um, it was, it's uh, people are curious now as opposed to, you know, kind of just laughing it off. And yes, that's, that's I, think that, I think that's going to snowball now because um, it's it it's a difficult blind accessibility in particular is a difficult thing for yeah. developers to get their heads around. So it I is. think now it's starting to be um, not so much the other game sector, but actual um, AAA games that are making efforts of blind accessibility, especially the stuff that Karen Stevens has been doing. Oh yeah, the Madden and some of the other stuff is in development at the moment. I think it's not going to take too long to get like a few good examples games that other developers can look at and be inspired right, right. by. Yeah, okay, actually, and I see how this works. Like, this could apply to my gaming, you know? Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's what I'm waiting for, too, because that's, I, I, I acknowledge that, and I realize that um, it's, it's hard to get, especially if they're a AAA developer, it's hard to get a AAA developer to sit down and play an audio game to show them an example of accessibility. But if we can put a game in their hands that most of them probably already have, you know, like if, if you know, because developers play games too, you know. <laughs> so, you know, if we can... <laughs> well, they can find the time, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the individuals that are working on games, when they can find the time, will also play games. Yep. But if if we get if we reach a point where some of those games happen to have blind accessibility features, okay, well then they can test those features in a game they already have, and that'll make it much easier for them to to find examples and, to, and then to you know extrapolate off those examples and make their own thing. But you know. Yeah, I think I think the snowball effect is. I think it's already happening. Honestly, there's so much more now, uh, so many so many more options than there were before. Um, so yeah, with with all the plugins that are being released and everything like that. Anyway, a lot of things are going on. Um, what about? Well, I think something that's that's slightly important as well. I'm sure this will tally with your experiences as well. Is just just the power of actually people just a developer sitting down with a gamer and actually looking at stuff. Yeah, this thing. Even if a, even if a game is mostly inaccessible, um, if a developer can see that like you can play like 20% of the game yeah. while they're watching you. They'll be thinking, hmm, okay, 20%. I can see there's actually some stuff here that can be built upon. Okay, if that thing there is tweaked, it'd be 25%. That thing over there is tweaked, it'd be 30%, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're quite right. Showing people the challenges is very important. And that's, that's part of the reasons I do the streams that I do sometimes. I will, I will straight up stream games that I can't really play much of because it still gets the, the knowledge out there. You know, it's still gives people an idea of where I am in or where, where we are as a blind community in, in gaming, stuff like that. And like, like I said as well, it comes down to that thing about designers being motivated by frustration, right? Yep. So <laughs> you got to frustrate them. can see somebody coming up against the problem that they can see an easy answer to. That's a good way to motivate people. Yeah. Yeah. If, if that's, that's, that's what I do. I frustrate designers until they fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. That's where that works for me. Let's talk about uh, GA comp. Because you, you mentioned that earlier, and it is—it's really blown up since it started in the past couple of years. My goodness, it has blown up a lot. But let's let's go into the details of GA Comp. How did that get started? Um, so so it was a combination of things. Um, it was um, in part like as like I was saying about the um, the ever increasing um, numbers of attendees yeah. um, at conferences. 
Um, it was um, partly driven by frustration as well of the inaccessibility of conferences. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we've, we've, been, we've been trying to work with conference organizers to, to, to try and up the bar, um, but it was, it was challenging. So that was part of it as well, was just to kind of branch out and have control over the accessibility of the venue, the accessibility, the scheduling, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but also, the, but the main thing really was that it kind of felt like the industry was further along than conferences were suggesting. Um, so by that, I mean that um, there was a lot of good stuff being done, um, a lot of good experiences that should really be shared, um, but the kind of talks that were generally being accepted at conferences were still basic awareness raises, like this is what accessibility is, this is why it's important. It felt like we were beyond that point, you know? So it, yeah. it basically felt like there was, there was more than enough material to be able to just have a day just focused on getting into some of those, those finer details as well. And actually that panel that we did um, at JDC um, that we really talked about, that was, that was a part, a strong part of it as well. Um, just the fact that you were there on that panel, um, <laughs> that, that experience is specifically why there is like the representation panels and the strong presence of, the gaming community alongside the developers on the lineup each year as well. So, you know, that makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> I mean, to be to having, you know, to have been a part of, of that and to not, not just have been a part of that, but to have been a part of the reason that things like that are happening today. That that's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. Also, I was, at, I was at the first GA comp. So there was that too. <laughs> yep. Uh, and that's, yeah. Um, but I guess I guess what I want to get into is what goes into that. Like how how does how does one or two in this case you're the co-founder set up uh, an event like this? Like do you have to, are there approval processes? Like how does it work? Um, well, it's done through the um, under the banner of the IGDA's um, accessibility group. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, it's light touch. So the organization isn't, isn't really handled. It's, it's, yeah, it's basically, well, so it was uh, myself and Tara who did all the organizing yeah. and um, Tara's husband, um, Max is on board with that as well. Um, so he's, he, so he's um, taken on the kind of like managing the um, payments and handling suppliers and that kind of stuff. Then we have our volunteers and stuff who um, do the running the show on the day. Um, but yeah, so basically all, all the, all the pre-organization um, is, um, handled by us three, as well as Max doing that. Um, basically, Tara does all the organization for the stuff that happens on the day. Okay. So, like uh, managing the um, volunteers and the setup for the speaking and all that kind of stuff. And then I do basically the, the organizing for the stuff that's arranged in advance. So, sorting out the venue, um, the speakers, uh, the catering, and that kind of stuff. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it's just that's kind of a point of curiosity for me, but I, I kind of think that it's something that listeners might, might be interested in. Like, you know, here, here it is. We have our own accessibility conference. It exists now. You know, how did it happen? You know, what brought that on? You know, um, yep. I just figured it's it out. Um, neither Tara or myself had done anything grammatically like it before. Um, basically, it was an evolution of, of two things kind of coming together. Um, there was, well, I guess three things and conference talks as well. Um, but also, there was the. Um, uh, round tables at GDC yeah. um, and the other thing was accessibility drinks as well um, so every year at GDC and also outside of GDC like we had a few in London as well and we would just basically get like a few like-minded um, 
industry people together who cared about accessibility just to sit around a table and have a chinwag over a couple yeah. of drinks. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it was basically <laughs> expanding that out. So basically that was that's the evening event. You just basically expanded that down through the, the beginning of the day and included some talks there as well. Yeah. So it was kind of a gradual evolution of a few things kind of coming together. It's it's so it's so strange. It's, it's yeah, it, up to that point, that's the most that's the most that we've done. Like we right. organized some people getting together in the pub. So um no no, no it's possible. You don't have to be uh, have have expertise in running events to be able to pull it off. It's so interesting how many little things came together to bring GA Comp to, to, to you know, to uh, fruition. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. So many yeah, little things. And now you have multiple events. I mean, there, we started with one, and now you have multiple events in multiple places. And yes, I've only unfortunately I've only been to one, but I assume that the attendance has been has been really good at all of their other events as well, because accessibility again is just expanding, you know, exponentially over and over again. So I assume that it's gone well. Um, I've heard good things. <laughs> so, and I've watched some of the uh, the presentations from GA Comps that I haven't attended. So, yeah. yeah. So it's looking like um, this this one that's coming up in London next month is looking yeah. like that's going to be a um, sellout quite comfortably. Oh, good, which is the first good. Time we've reached that. So. That is great. I'm I'm super happy to hear that. I'm sure the the audience will be as well. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so next up, I have uh, I only have a couple more for you. Next up, I have like kind of a two-in-one question. We've kind of already touched on this a little bit, but I want to kind of delve into the idea. Um, where do you think? Actually, let's 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 focus it. Let's focus it. We are approaching the next console generation. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, how do you feel about what? What's your impression of where accessibility is going to be when the next console generation comes out? Because we know where it is now. What do you think about yeah. the future of, of consoles? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, so, I don't think I could... I think I can talk about hopes, basically, yeah. for it. Um, that's Because fair. even if even if I did know things about what might be going on for the next generation, um, oh, I, know, I would I know. be lying to you entirely. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. As always, um, as always, it's hope. There's um, hope that it's going to be. Um, well, I'd hope it's going to be a dramatic increase in what's been before, um, because the. I mean, it kind of seems taken for granted now that consoles have got accessibility functionality, um, but it was only like um, halfway through the current generation that the first ever console had an accessibility feature on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it evolved pretty quickly. Now, every single major gaming platform has system-level um, accessibility functionality. Um, even the Nintendo Switch, as well, as of um, as of last year, I think. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, yeah, so very. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so so Xbox, PlayStation, um, Vita, Switch, uh, PC, Mac, iOS, Android. Every gaming platform pretty much has got um, accessibility functionality. And it wasn't so long ago that um, it was just. Wish, pure wishful thinking, the idea that a console would ever have accessibility features, you know? Yeah, I know. Um, Believe me, I grew up that way. <laughs> yeah, right. The things that turnaround has happened within the current console generation. Um, the next console generation, um, obviously, hardware starts to be designed a long, long time um, before it's released. Right. But we're going back like four years ago now, four years ago now. Um, so the, the next generation of the console that's going to hit was in early stages of development when these companies start having these, these pivots towards accessibility. Yeah. So, uh, so the potential is there for them to be able to do 
much much more yeah um i can only hope but i mean this this is my hopes for the um for when the switch came out um because with all the various different sensors and stuff there are in those controllers um there was so much potential um for there to be amazing accessibility stuff happening with it um unfortunately that's been largely unrealized that all that potential is still waiting there to, to yeah. happen yeah. So, so it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen, but the potential's there at least anyway. Yeah, I, I, I like that answer. I like that answer because uh, that's that's kind of we're we're kind of on the same we're kind of vibing the same way with that answer because I I kind of see it like with with the way accessibility is expanding and uh, the people that I've spoken to and the things that I know and things like that I I just can't see less or even the same amount of accessibility. I I I, I believe that it's going to be more personally. I I just believe that's we're just you know the snowball effect is going to not only affect individual games but also the, the systems that you play them on so you know i believe there will be more as time goes on just more and more and more and uh yeah i'm looking forward to it i can't wait for the next console generation i i wish it was i wish it was happening tomorrow one more of these things i promise <laughs> <laughs> yay for technical difficulties again uh anyway so yeah uh you're, you're pretty much caught up. Uh, you sent me a message said the last words you heard were that I wish the next consultation was happening tomorrow, and that's that's the last thing I said before we lost the connection. So there you go. You haven't missed anything. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. It already is a wonderful time to be a gamer, but I think the next console generation is going to skyrocket it into the, the stratosphere. So yeah, well, I think I, an important thing to to bear in mind with it all is is consumer expectations changing. Every time yeah. there's a growth in the amount of accessibility, that just means that people it doesn't take very much time at all for people and it shifts from people being eternally grateful if something small is done to expecting that to be done and wait for the next big thing they're saying in the growth. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I believe it. I believe it. All right. Well, the last thing I have for you, I promise this time is, uh, um, basically I like to, I like to take a second at the end of an interview to give the floor to my guest and say, promote whatever you want to promote. Uh, if you want to let the audience know where they can find you specifically, that's cool. If you want to promote anything that you'd like to promote, that's everything's everything's cool. So the floor is yours, sir. Hmm. Well, I guess we've talked about the conference quite a bit. Um, all of the talks from all of the previous editions of the conference are all online for free. So if you um, go on YouTube and look for an account, that is IGDA-GASIG. Um, all the previous talks are available under that account and on the 21st of October. Um, if you can't make it there in person, um, all the talks at the next edition of the conference are going to be live streamed free as well. That's awesome. Isn't that the first time we've, we've done live streams for that? Um, no, no, we had it working last time as well. Oh, wow. So last time was the first I time. I totally missed it. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize that. Okay, well, that's great. That's fantastic. Okay, anything yeah. else? Because <laughs> the last one um, was... Uh, in Paris, yeah, um, and uh, I don't know how much you know about this, um, but um, France, um, more so than a lot of countries, is very, very protective um, over its language. Um, you can't really um, do something in France without it being in French. I mean, to the extent that even if you listen to the radio in France, um, there is literally like a percentage of songs that have to be in. Oh wow! Um, French. I didn't um, know that. Um, yeah, so you get so you get artists and stuff who are deliberately like um, do French versions of their songs just so they're guaranteed to get um, airtime in France off it. Wow, 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so we, so we have this this with the conference that we can't really have a conference in France um, without um, it being in French. Um, so the live stream had to be in English and French and um, the captioning um, and the um, sign language um, had to be in French as well. So we had a crazy, crazy technical setup. Uh, basically, like we had um, the um, audio um, like being recorded down the front. Um, that was pumped into um, a room at the back um, where somebody was um, typing it um, into French. Oh, wow. Um, French translation was then beamed back down to the front again and displayed in the TVs and also displayed as captions on the screen. And the written version was then pumped next door into another room where somebody was reading it out in French as well. So it was... <laughs> Full on setup. What um, a setup! Yeah. That was all um, uh, Jerome Dubai who was doing that. So all credit to him. He managed to pull it off. I was, I was, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was a bit worried, but it all went went off without a hitch. Yeah, um, yeah. It'll be a bit more straightforward this time. That's pretty great, though. That's pretty great. Yeah, especially because for for all the um, all the um, viewers we had um, in France. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that was that was a big deal as well because the academic connections that there were with the with the addition of it that was in Paris. So so being able to have um, students and stuff at colleges and universities in France were able to tune into it's pretty nice. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and that just you know the more the merrier in all these things. So you know, it's it's, exactly. it's and that, that's that's the reason for the videos going up. That's the reason for the for the live streams going up and all being done for free. Is because basically you know the, the the money coming from the ticket prices is so we can run the event. Yeah. Um, Apart from that, the whole purpose of the event is to um, spread knowledge um, and, and spread those experiences. So um, that's the reason for the recordings and the streams going up for free, just to try and get the word out as widely as possible. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely approve of that. I was so happy back in the day, again, going back briefly to our GDC uh, panel, we were worried that they weren't going to make it available for free in the GDC vault. And we were so happy when, when they finally did. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness we can actually share this now. You know, I remember those. But anyway, anything else you want to uh, plug, give a shout out to, anything? Um, not really. Uh, oh, I suppose, um, yeah, just a message, I guess, to to um, to blind gamers um, in general listening is just speak to developers. Um, there's there's never been um, a time when mainstream game developers are more interested, have been more interested in um, blind accessibility. So true. Um, and it's easy to do. Um, reach out to, I mean... Like contacting companies in general by by broad company contact and mechanisms like emailing Microsoft or something like that usually isn't very helpful. Um, but if you find individual people, and that's what Twitter in particular is amazing for us, finding individual developers to chat yeah. to, um, yeah. is great. Um, also, um, if you live anywhere near a decent sized city, um, there will be game developer meetups there. Um, you can just rock up and have a chat with game developers about your experiences. Even get in touch with the organizers. If you look on... Um, uh, What's it called? Uh, meet, meetup.com and the local games have meetups usually listed on that. Um, have a chat with the organizers. They might be interested in you coming along and having having doing natural talk about accessibility. If not, just rock up and have some conversations with people. Um, and that's like I said, that's how all the good stuff happens is, is just by having a conversation and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, once again, thank you, Ian, for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. I feel like my podcast is too small to have uh, someone of your caliber on it, but... <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I hold you in high regard because you helped me out a lot with, with doing what I do today. So, 
All right. Anyway, thank you again for doing this. I appreciate it. The listeners appreciate it. Have a have a well, good thank one. you for having me. Yeah, yeah, you're you're very welcome. Anytime, anytime. If if you came to me and be like, "Hey, I want to do another episode," I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, immediately." Um, <laughs> no, thank you again. I will probably be chatting with you uh, as the years go by, many, many more times. Um, but for now, have a good one, sir. Yep. Nice one. Cheers. All right, that is going to conclude the 14th episode of the Breakdown Walls podcast. Man, oh man, what a podcast it was uh, in this podcast. We had a lot of good topics to discuss, and we had tangents, and we <laughs> and we had a tremendous interview. We had everything in this podcast. What more could you possibly want out of the podcast than that? <laughs> we laughed, we cried, we learned things along that's, the way. That's we right. made new discoveries. Well, right. actually, a new discovery was made this morning with the Catherine thing. So. Yeah, and and the whole and breaking, the breaking news, news with story. The PlayStation so. selling their own stuff now. No yeah. retail <laughs> partners at all. They're just doing it on their own. So yeah, it's, it's been a good episode. Really good episode. Um, next week, it is currently planned that we will have a guest. I don't know when we're going to do that interview. We'll have to discuss that. Um, the in fact, this is a guest. I think I will announce in advance. Uh, because it is related to our partner. Um, next week is going to be Marcus Axford, the one of the co-founders of the Gamer Fuel Studios Network. So we're going to oh, have him on hey, our show. Cool. Yeah, we're going to have him on our show to cross talk about... promotion. Cross promotion. Yes, I was on their show. We're going to have him on our show. So there you go. Boom shakalaka. Um, so yeah, that does it. Uh, if you want to find me, guys, I'm pretty easy to find. Twitter is Superblindman. Twitch is Superblindman. Facebook is brand.l.cole.7 because Facebook is dumb. YouTube is also Superblindman. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much me. Oh, website's brandoncole.net. And of course, you can join the Breakdown Walls crew at breakdownwalls.net slash Discord if you'd like to do that. Um, and an easy link to share with your friends for the podcast is breakdownwalls.net slash podcast. Easy, easy to share, easy to remember. Breakdown Walls is awesome. Uh, Sterlock, what about you? I am pretty easy to find as well. I am Sterlock on everything. That's uh, S-T-I-R-L-O-C-K. Uh, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube... Uh, I think those are the main three. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. All right, well, that's going to do it for the 14th episode. We will see you next week for episode 15. My goodness. Yeah.